You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. The sin of unbelief. It's been called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but it's the sin of unbelief, not accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. It'll be one down to one simple question. Many people have said this, that when we get to heaven, we'll be asked one simple question. What did you do with my son? Oh, I thought he was a great guy, a good teacher. Wrong answer. What did you do with my son? That's the question that many believe we're going to be asked. Jesus clarifies this for us. And I love the Bible because the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. There is only one sin that can keep you out of heaven. It's not murder or adultery. Pastor Dave reveals this transgression to be the sin of unbelief. All other sins are forgivable. How will you answer the Lord when he asks you, what did you do with my son? Take some time after today's message to create your response. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 15. As he continues his message, who is the Holy Spirit? You are If you love the old King James, which I do, but I happen to teach out of the new King James. If you love the old King James, the word for convict is reprove. Reprove. And that, that's a legal term. It basically means bring to light, to expose, uh, to convict and convince. And someone translated to pronounce the verdict. A verdict has been passed upon those as the Holy Spirit convicts of sin righteousness, and judgment. So the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. That's the first point. What do you think of when you hear the word sin? What goes through your mind? Um, sin basically means to miss the mark. Sin means to miss the mark. When you hear the word sin, do you immediately think of lying, cheating, stealing, pornography, adultery, murder, and all those other things? When you think of sin, do you think of disobeying the Ten Commandments or breaking the Ten Commandments? Is that what is in your mind? So when the Lord says he will convict the world of sin, we usually think, Lord is saying, don't lie, don't cheat, don't do that, and don't do that. But that's not what he's saying here. If you think that, you're wrong. Because look at verse 9, and this is extremely important. He says, of sin... Because they do not believe in me. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin because they don't believe in Jesus. And this is the sin that they will be judged on alone. The sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. It's been called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But it's the sin of unbelief. Not accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. It'll be one down to one simple question. Many people have said this, that when we get to heaven, we'll be asked one simple question. What did you do with my son? Well, I thought he was a great guy, a good teacher. Wrong answer. What did you do with my son? That's the question that many believe we're going to be asked. Jesus clarifies this for us. And I love the Bible because the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. And I love the fact that John has already clarified this point for us 
way back when he was talking to Nicodemus in John 3, 17 and 18, when Jesus said these words, verse 18, he who believes in me is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The world is being convicted of sin. We were convicted before we became believers of this sin of unbelief. We were convicted of that sin. Well, you might say, well, yeah, that's great, Dave. But doesn't the Holy Spirit, as a believer, convict us? Yes, he does. Most definitely, the Holy Spirit convicts us as believers. But the conviction that the Holy Spirit does, does not drive us away from the Lord. Instead, the conviction that the Holy Spirit does, it drives us to the Lord. It drives us to the Lord. See, the difference between condemnation and conviction, there is a difference. When being condemned by Satan, you don't pray because it's tough to pray. You don't fellowship with other believers because you don't want to. You, you can't even get out of the house. You can't read your word. You don't want to read your word. There's condemnation here. I know if I read my word, I'm going to be condemned. Oh, my! because it says I, what I'm doing is bad. You don't want to do it. So we isolate ourselves. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, he usually says, come back to me. Return to my love. Come back. I get a picture. The picture's right here in my head. I get a picture of the father standing on the porch waiting for the prodigal son. Just sitting there lamenting and crying. My son was lost. Come back, son. Come back. There's no condemnation. Come back. Please come back. Come back. And then he sees him afar off and he runs to him and wraps his arms around him and kisses him and kisses him and kisses him and takes his robe off and gives him the ring and says, kill the fatted calf. Let's have a party. My son was lost and now he's found. See, that's a picture. The Holy Spirit drawing you back to God. Holy Spirit drawing you back into his arms because he wants to restore you. He wants to refresh you. He wants you to, to build you up. He doesn't want to tear you down. Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. I came that the world would be saved through me. Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Holy Spirit convicts the world of righteousness. Listen to this in verse 10. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Sin is missing the mark. Righteousness is hitting the mark. Sin is doing wrong. Righteousness is doing right. The world is convicted of righteousness because Jesus went to the Father. What does that mean? The ascension of Jesus Christ demonstrated that he had perfectly fulfilled the Father's will. He had perfectly done and proven himself righteous so he could be taken up into heaven. And what this does is it exposed the righteousness of the world because they rejected him or we rejected him. The Holy Spirit shows that the righteousness of Jesus, and when we see the righteousness of Jesus, what are we faced with? Our own unrighteousness. It's like when we see the righteousness of Jesus, it's like he's holding a mirror that we look into, and what we see is our own unrighteousness. Allah. Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, the train of his temple. What happened when he saw him? What was the first words out of his mouth? Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. I'm undone. 
See, that's what happens when we see Jesus' righteousness. That's what happens when they see that. Jesus himself, Jesus himself took the bar and he raised it this high. He took the bar and raised it this high when he says in Matthew 5.20, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and scribes, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Excuse me? See, the Pharisees thought they were righteous. They thought they were righteous dudes. They thought they were up there. They looked down upon everybody because they thought that they had righteousness. There was a man-made righteousness. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds them, you're not getting in, pal. And then he says, oh, yeah, by the way, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Uh, what? Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, Lord, I'll see you later. How do you live up to that? How do you do that? How do you get there? I mean, I, 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 be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect? What am I doing? I'm out. What do we need to do? Paul had the answer. Paul explains that it's not in your own righteousness. It's not in what you do. There is a righteousness that is available to you. Paul calls it the righteousness of God in Romans 1. I love this verse. Romans chapter 1. Listen to these words that Paul writes. 16. In Romans 1, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the gospel, the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and then to the Gentiles, or to the Greek. Why? For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And then he quotes Habakkuk, The just shall live by faith. Excuse me? It's a God kind of righteousness. God counts you righteousness. How? How? How can I be counted by righteous by God? To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Picture Abraham. Abraham had a promise from God. He believed God for his promise, and Scripture says it was imputed to him. It was given to him. It was accounted to him as righteousness. That same faith that we're now supposed to have, the just shall live by faith, to faith, to faith, to faith. We're saved by faith. We walk in faith. Always, everything we have is by faith. That's what he's saying here. A God kind of righteousness, a righteousness that you can't even begin to get. Do you remember John 6, 29? John 6, 29, they're all gathered together with Jesus, and they ask, Lord, what, what must we do to do the works of God? Jesus just looked at him and said, believe upon the one whom he sent. And they had, there's got to be something else. Come on. We got to be able to do something else. Come on. No. Simple. Simple. Believe upon him whom he sent. Jesus was saying, believe upon me. I was sent from God. Believe upon me. Believe about what's going to happen on that cross. Now, wherever you have sin... And wherever you have righteousness, when they are in the same boxing rink, judgment happens. Whenever you have sin and when you ever have righteousness, judgment happens. Look at verse 11. Of judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. Who's the ruler of the world now? Who has possession of the world right now? Satan. Absolutely. He has possession. 
Not going to have it for long, but he does have possession of it at this time. But guess what? He says, look at it, what he says. Because the ruler of this world is what? Judged. The ruler of the world has been judged. Would somebody tell me where this judgment took place? Cross of Jesus Christ. On the cross of Jesus Christ, the ruler of the world was judged. He defeated sin and he defeats death by the resurrection. So the ruler of the world is judged. And that's what he's saying here. He said the ruler of the world is judged through the power of the cross. Satan's power was broken. His power was completely broken. He can no longer have hold of you because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. What does this mean? It means you don't have to be under his power any longer. Through the cross, you are victorious. And in Christ, you are overcomers. You are victorious in him. And that's why he went through this entire thing. Abide in me. That's why he went through this entire thing. Abide me. Stay close. Why? Because you're victorious if you stay in me. Get away from me. Let me know how it works out for you. Through the power of the cross, we can have complete victory and power over the world, the flesh, and the devil. You don't have to be under his power any longer. Actually, what Satan tries to do, is, what he holds in his hand is something that he usurped. He took this authority, but he's not going to have it for long. He is not going to have it for long, for Jesus will come back and take that deed. He will come back. So the Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and then he returns to us again. It's like, I don't want to get confused there, guys. I want you to think about what I want you to do. Let's, let's go back to the hope we have here. Look at verses 13 and 14 as we try to wrap this up. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit guides you into all truth. He's your leader. He guides you into all truth. He never speaks about himself. He never speaks about his own authority. He only tells you what he hears from Jesus. He only tells you about the things to come. He glorifies Jesus. He takes everything that is Jesus and he gives it to you. We already said that the ministry of the Holy Spirit revealing into us is to bear testimony of him to be witnesses for him. And then he uses so many different gifts and, uh, to accompany this that the purpose is always the same. Any gift that has been given by the Holy Spirit, and go back, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Ephesians 4 and Romans 12. Go back and look at the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives as he wills. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts as he wills. Not everybody will possess the same gifts or all the gifts. Some may possess multiple gifts. Some might not. You may get a specific gift for a specific time, only for a specific purpose. But the Spirit gives these gifts as he will. If somebody is exhibiting a gift of the Holy Spirit and it is not revealing Jesus or not edifying Jesus or lifting Jesus up, He's the wrong spirit. I'm sorry, the wrong spirit. Only the spirit lifts up Jesus Christ. Spirit doesn't exalt himself. 
He testifies of Jesus. Holy Spirit tells us of things to come. And look at what we have. The Apostle Paul was directed by the Holy Spirit. He said, listen, he said, Ananias, go down to the street called Straight. And there's going to be a guy there named Saul. He's praying. I've chosen him. He's a chosen vessel of mine. I want you to get him and help him and pray for him because I'm going to show him things he must suffer for my namesake. So he told Paul of things to come. He was shown by the Spirit. We have been given a look at things to come. We have been given a look at things to come through God's word, which was what? Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, man wrote that. Yes, they did. You're correct. But each man was inspired by the Holy Spirit, according to what Paul writes Timothy in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Holy Spirit showed the Apostle John things to come. We have it in our Bible. It's the last book in our Bible, and it's called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. The last book in the Bible. The Holy Spirit inspired John to write that of the things that will come, the things that will take place. The Holy Spirit works collectively in the church. The Holy Spirit is talking to John, and he says, come up here in the fourth verse. After he spent time in verse 1, and if, uh, chapter 1 and, and chapter 2, talking about the, the, the church age and the letters to the churches and talking about all those things. He says to John, come up here. John is representative of who? The church. John is representative of us. And here you have a clear picture of the rapture being taken up, taken up before God. So John writes about these things. He, he writes about these things that will come, that will come to pass. But the Holy Spirit is working mightily in this church right here. He's working mightily in the entire church of Christ right now. What is he doing? Well, right now, one of the things he's doing is he's restraining sin. And he's combating the secret power of lawlessness. It says so in 2 Thessalonians 2. There are powers and forces and darkness that are working in the world. But something is holding them back. Something is keeping them from devouring the world and pouncing on the world. And it's getting bad. I will not disagree with you, but it's not near as bad as it will get. The Holy Spirit is restraining that evil force. And where is the Holy Spirit now mainly? In you, in the church of Jesus Christ. And that is the restraining force. But according to the scripture we read, a trumpet will sound and the church will be gone in a twinkle of an eye. And then it's going to break loose. Then it all breaks loose after that. The restraining force is gone. The Holy Spirit in us is gone. Not that the Holy Spirit still isn't in the world and still people can still get saved. But the main restraining force will be gone. And the Antichrist will be revealed. And seven years of great woe fulfill on the earth. But right now the Holy Spirit is holding that back. He is the restraining force. You are the restraining force. Why? Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And that light in you is shining bright, shining forth, shining forth. And many people are being saved because that light that's in you. As long as we're here, everything's restrained. But there will come a day. 
And there will come a day when it's no longer restrained when we are out of here. So the Holy Spirit enriches our lives. He enriches us. He gives us treasures from heaven. He enlightens us with God's truth. And he, he enlightens us with the truth of his word. He said he leads us into truth. He helps us to read the Bible. If you're having trouble understanding the Bible, pray. And ask the Spirit to show you what you're reading. Ask him. The word of God is rich. It's pure. It's like gold, silver, and precious jewels to us. It's so valuable to us. We have it, and, and we take such poor care of it. We take such poor care of it. It's right here before us. We have the actual word of God. I can't believe. Do you know there are people in the world that would kill for what you have? This word of God. There are places in the world where they might have one page. They might have one page, and they read that page, and the, the Spirit reveals so much to them. And then they go to a, a meeting, and somebody else has the other page, and they swap pages. We take for such granted what we have here. What a treasure. What a jewel. What a beautiful thing we have here in God's Word. We study the Word. Why? Why do we study the Word of God? To know Jesus better. To know him better. The Old Testament, Christ concealed. The New Testament, Christ revealed. We want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, so we study his word. And he teaches us from all things. He teaches us. He even teaches those who are lost in the sea of belief. But as witnesses, when we witness Christ, the Holy Spirit convicts the world. This is such a beautiful witness in the world today. And he's using you. He's using me. He's using the church of Christ. So, where do you stand? Where do you stand? When you consider your own relationship with Jesus Christ, where are you in that frame? It's the issue that you need to determine your final destiny, your eternal destiny, if you don't decide the right thing. You believe in Jesus Christ? Have you asked for the forgiveness of sin? Have you declared him Lord and believe that God raised him on the third day? Scripture says everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you done that? If you've done that, the Holy Spirit is now in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, alive, and teaching you. And he might be convicting you of that sin that you like so much. He may be showing you some things that you need to give up. Yes, that might happen. It's my heartfelt prayer. My heartfelt prayer as a pastor and as your pastor that you are now experiencing all the wonders that the Holy Spirit has to offer. All those beautiful things. that We're going to talk about it another day. All those wonderful things that the Lord is wanting to bestow upon you by His Spirit. Maybe you don't have that. It's the simple act of asking. Asking. God has provided a way for all of us through His righteousness. It's a God kind of righteousness. Place your faith, place your trust in Jesus Christ. He has won the victory over sin. He has defeated death. And we are victorious in him. Amen. You are a the Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. 
Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.